You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. We've never experienced a year like 2020. A deadly pandemic, political division, social unrest, natural disasters. Yet, we're still here, and now so are the holidays. Hi, I'm John Doherty. May this holiday season bring you joy and peace. May 2021 be a better year for all of us. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy and Healthy New Year. Happy Holidays from IBEW Local 98. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams? What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will be inspired to use their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to another week of Women to Watch. My name is Sue Rocco, and it's always great to be back. I hope everybody enjoyed a wonderful Christmas uh, with whomever you were able to be with. I think sometimes small gatherings can be really wonderful and relaxing. My guest this evening is a woman who truly exemplifies what it means to be an advocate for women. 
And I just wanted to take a minute to publicly say thank you to her for the help she gave me early on when I was launching Women to Watch. Um, I want her to know that her belief and support in me gave me such confidence um, in what I was trying to build. And I'm so very grateful. My guest is Heather Kernahan. And Heather is the CEO of North America for Hotwire PR and Communications. And she'll be with me in just a moment. For those of you who may be new to the show, I hope you'll visit us at womentowatch.net, sign up for our newsletter and our podcast, and to learn more about becoming a part of our on-air watch team, feel free to email laura at womentowatch.net, and that is women2watch.net, N-E-T. So now I'm thrilled and honored to say welcome to Heather Kernahan. Heather, thanks so much for being here this evening. Well, I'm very excited after all these years and knowing you for so long, Sue, to finally be a guest. I'm thrilled. Oh, well, thank you. Um, And it's really when I, you know, what I said at the top of the show, I I so mean that because I think it's so important in kind of this realm of women trying to advocate for each other that we do so wherever and whenever we can. And I know you're doing that on a regular basis. And um I just have such great admiration for you. Uh, you. I want to start with your upbringing in Canada. Mm -hmm. And um, I understand that your relationship with your mom was one that was pretty impactful for you. And I and she really is kind of a personal champion. What tell me what lessons she taught you that really remain true to you today? Sure. You know, I was listening, actually, I'll start with, I was listening to your guest that you had on, I think it was last week, Katie, and she was talking about growing up in a single parent household, and and I did as well. So my parents divorced when I was two, and my mom packed up um, and went back to Nova Scotia, which is where her family was from. And instead of going back to the town where she was living close to her parents, she chose a, a town that was a few hour drive away. So she really had to craft a new life for herself. And it was the 70s. So she had zero child support and she had um, lots of uh, things going against her because she had left the workforce when she had me. So she had to get back into a job and figuring out how to support me on her own. And from a very early age, I remember my mom having multiple jobs and one which she cleaned offices at night and I would go with her because she couldn't afford a sitter. And I would dust desks and I would wipe down chairs. And that was our routine for a couple of years is um, working really hard and even vacuuming the um, the hallways of the apartment we worked in. She would do that for a little extra money every single week and uh, sharing food with the guys that lived across the hall. She was a great cook but didn't have money for all the food we needed. So they would buy the food and she would cook the meals. And I just saw her being resourceful and determined and really learned the lesson that if you work hard, you'll be okay, which as an adult has turned out to be a double-edged sword, I found. (laughs) But uh, but I knew from my mom and seeing how she was um, just going to put in the effort that um, it was there was a lot of pride in that and that I could always rely on myself. Yeah, that's so hard. That's so hard. As you were describing, you know, what your mom had to do and what she did do. Was she speaking to you along the way and and talking to you about um, her situation in life? Or was she just really, truly leading by example? 
Yeah, she was a lady that just got on with it, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but I do remember from a very early age, her repeating to me probably daily, you are a woman and you can do anything you put your mind to, which I think was part a message for me, but also partly a message for her <laughs> as a confidence right. booster. Like right. I, Reminding I got, herself. <laughs> yes, I got this. I can do it. And And she also said to me a lot, you know, never rely on a man because she had wow. relied on my dad and felt like with the marriage and leaving her job and having a child that that was her forever. And it wasn't. And so it, she tried to instill in me. And then later on, um, she remarried and had two more daughters who are my sisters, um, pass that along to them as well. You know, be independent, rely on yourself, work really, really hard and you'll be okay. Wow. And you know, it's so interesting because one of my questions for you was about where does your ambition come from? Because mm. you've been so incredibly purposeful and goal oriented and really set your sights on becoming a CEO. Yes. And that's actually something I'm going to talk about a little bit later in the interview. But, you know, that kind of answers my question as you <laughs> describe, you know, your beginning. Um, tell me what was it that led to your curiosity about international affairs? I know you had an opportunity to spend several weeks in Africa how did, in high school. How did that come about? And where did that curiosity come from? Yeah, well, I grew up in a very small town, I will tell you that. And I didn't have a lot of access to, when at a young age, to uh, different people or different ideas and, and zero ability to travel. But when I was six, my dad came back into my life and said uh, to my mom, he would like to see me. He wanted to build a relationship with me. And he was a quite a successful businessman and lived about a two hour plane ride from where we lived and lived in Toronto, which was a you know, very big city in Canada. And my mom made the very brave decision, I think, to say, OK, even though you abandoned us and you haven't paid a penny in child support, I think it is important for your daughter to know you. And she mm. um, put me on a flight to go stay with him and his new wife and really looked after by my auntie who lived there, too. So I remember being six and getting on the plane and being really excited and through him being introduced to a very different world, a world of travel and a world of business and a world really of wealth and and being that was probably like, how do you how do I live this life and how do you live this life and how is it possible to live this life where there's money and travel? So that was um, a big impression on me. And from the age of six, I went to see my dad probably twice a year. Um, and I, I don't know, Sue, I think maybe that experience with him opened me up to thinking maybe I could travel places myself. And in high school, there was this opportunity to join a group that was going to do an exchange program with a group of students in Africa. And I talked to my mom about whether I could do it and she was supportive. But what almost set me back was the fundraising goals for the program and whether I could actually raise the money that was needed um, as well as supplement that by paying for the travel myself. So my mom fully supported it, um, even to the point, I mean, this was this is just totally my mother. I worked at a restaurant and uh, I would go to work. I was working all the time trying to save money for this trip. And she went to the owners of the restaurant and said, "I would, could I come work there too, but I don't want the paycheck I want to put it all on Heather's time card to help her build oh, up her, wow. her fund. Yeah. So my mom wow. came and worked at the restaurant too. And, and 
which is insane because she had two little kids at the time, but she would come on the weekends and we'd work together and she helped me afford it. And, wow. and that's how I got to being involved and had a very formative experience living in Africa for a little bit. You know, um, I think um, a relationship between a father and a daughter can be very, very impactful, no matter which direction it goes. Do you, do you feel like you've made peace with him and, you know, his, his leaving? No, <laughs> it's probably the honest answer. Too. <laughs> you know, no, I, yeah, I, no. I tr- I've tried to understand his uh, point of view, um, and I, I honestly just can't. I, I don't understand abandon- abandonment. I, I really don't. So um, I guess I've made peace with not making peace with it at this point. But uh, um, yeah, what happened is just before I went to Africa, so I was 16 at the time, I was at the restaurant working, so was my mom. And uh, I was pouring coffee and I could see the the area where reception was. And I looked up and my mom was on the phone and she had this terrible look on her face. And I actually wondered if I'd been caught, you know, drinking or something like that. She found out one of the bad things I was doing. (laughs) But she she came and got me and said, "Um, I have some really bad news. Your dad's been killed in an accident. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and so... I feel like, you know, I only got to the point of forgiveness with him, you know, the 16 year old Heather, I didn't really get more than that. Um, Yeah, but he died, he was in a car accident. And um, my my mom helped me work through that and, and be able to go on that trip and sort of keep moving forward. Wow, that's, that's so, that's so hard. That's so hard. Um, Here's a good kind of segue. You, you met your husband in high school. And um, I love the way you describe him, you mm. know, as really being a, a personal and professional rock and partner for you in life. Um, can you describe describe the, the day or, or the evening? It was a party. So it was probably a high school party at night um, that you met him. Yeah. And what was it about him that, you know, sparked your interest? Oh, my gosh. Probably his eyes and his smile. Yeah, it was. um, I was 17 when I met Mike and it was at a high school party at a hotel, which is horrid. Um, I have a daughter almost that age age now and hope that doesn't she's not doing the same thing. (laughs) They're much younger to us than we were. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, but I had a girlfriend who said, as we came to that party, you know, there's this guy, Mike, I think he's really cute, kind of hands off everybody. And Mike and I ended up chatting and talking throughout the entire night. And uh, I lived about an hour away from where the party was. And the next day, uh, he got in the car and drove to the town and looked me up in the phone book, because that's what they had, and called me and said, I'm here in your town. Do you know, could we have lunch? And uh, we've been together pretty consistently ever since a long time. He's a great guy. That's that's unusual, right? Yes. Especially today. Um, if you're just uh, tuning in, I'm speaking with Heather Kernahan this evening, the CEO of North America at Hotwire Global Communications. Um, just before the break, I'm going to share a quote. I love this so much. Uh, and this was, you know, back when your kids were small, I guess, and you were working and, and Mike was home. You said, when I used to walk out the door every morning to go to work, I would yell back to my husband, I got this out here. And he would yell back, I got this in here. <laughs> and I think, you know, that says so much about what it takes to just be partners and um, have each other's back. Yes. 
What, what would you say to a man who feels that that's his role should be to, to leave the house and go to work? Oh, call my husband. He'll talk you through it. There, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, what I would say. Yeah, I don't know how it yeah. works or why he's like he is. I do know that you know, growing up, his mom went to work and his dad retired at a very young age. So I think he saw a model where the woman left to go out the door every day. And he has just been very comfortable with that and understanding that I've got strengths and he's got strengths and they are different. And I need him as much as he needs me. Right. That's awesome. Listen, we're going to go into our first break. Stay with us for our watch team and we'll be back with Heather Kernahan. It's an understatement to say 2020 has been a year like no other. But if there is a silver lining in this moment, it's that we can look back and celebrate our resiliency, strength, acceptance, and solidarity in the face of so many challenges. As we look ahead to a new year, I'm focusing on gratitude, empathy, and the lessons learned that I want to bring with me into 2021. For Marketing Watch, I'm Lynn Falconio, wishing you and yours a safe and healthy holiday season. Now the women to watch, Legal Watch. This is Nicole Hittner at Ballard's Bar Law Firm for Legal Watch. Last week, I mentioned the swirl around whether or not companies can and should mandate COVID-19 vaccines for their employees now that vaccines are available, at least in limited quantities. There are so many questions surrounding this controversial topic and legal implications to employers no matter which side they come down on. I would love to talk to you all about this for an hour, but I have just a couple minutes, so please hop on to ballardsbar.com under alerts and publications and listen free now to our podcast episode devoted entirely to this topic. As a preview, there are limitations on the rights of employers to mandate a vaccine, and there are risks, including litigation, if employers don't mandate a vaccine. Just a couple days ago, the EEOC released guidance to try and clarify some of the confusion around employers' rights. For example, if an employee states that he or she's unable to get the vaccine due to a disability, but the employer can show that an unvaccinated employee would pose a direct threat due to significant harm to the health and safety of others, that employer can lawfully exclude the employee from working. The same goes for religious beliefs exemptions. Also, while employers are not allowed to give medical examinations to employees, seeking information about an individual's physical or mental impairments or health, pre-screening questions for administering a COVID vaccine and then actually administering that vaccine are not prohibited. They're allowed. There's so much more to come on the legal implications of this topic, and I'll keep you informed as the weeks go on during your Legal Watch from Nicole Hitner. Now the women to watch, Military Watch. Hi, I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. It certainly seems like a decade's worth of events occurred in 2020. As we all work to shape a brighter 2021, we can't forget what this past year's challenges taught us. In the military, we have something called an After Action Review, or an AAR. It's a simple but effective model to measure performance. After completing a mission, my soldiers and I would gather to consider five questions that must be answered before we conducted our next mission. What was planned to happen? What actually happened? What worked well? What didn't work well? And how can we improve? For me, the week between Christmas and New Year's is as much about looking backward as it is envisioning the future. So every year, I use this quiet time to conduct a personal AAR. 
These Carol reviews offer perspective and a new lens to look at where I, my family, and my teams are now and where we go in the future. This is why I'm excited to talk about an organization that uses actual lenses to offer veterans opportunities to develop perspective. The Patton's Veteran Project, founded by Ben Patton, a documentary filmmaker and the grandson of the famous General George S. Patton, organizes veterans' filmmaking workshops. During these therapeutic sessions, veterans learn to express their service experiences by creating film shorts. They then screen their short films at events to promote community dialogue about the challenges facing veterans and military families. With Comcast as a partner, many of our military community employees have participated in the organization's workshops. I can't tell you how moving it is to witness veteran brothers and sisters find their voice and feel empowered to express that voice through filmmaking. Check out more at the PattonVeteransProject.org. Though this holiday season is unlike any we've had before, it's a chance for each of us to reflect on what's truly important as we move forward to a brighter horizon. I am wishing you all a very safe and happy holiday season. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Hi, I'm Joe Krause. May you enjoy the spirit of this holiday season and may 2021 bring you a year of hope and peace. I wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy and healthy New Year. Happy Holidays from Jacob Media Partners. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Heather Kernahan this evening, the CEO of North America at Hotwire Global Communications. And just before the break, we were talking about um, Heather's husband, Mike, and the fact that uh, Heather really is the one that that leaves the house and goes to work. um, And and Mike has stayed home with the children. You have two kids. Um, You mentioned Madison, who's 16, and Cameron, Mm -hmm. who's 12. I wanted to ask you what... What example do you think you're setting for your kids in being such an incredibly successful um, CEO? Yeah, I do. I think about not only my children, but their circles of friends as well. When I think about setting examples for myself and, and other women leaders, what I hope that I am setting the example around is, is not putting limitations on what's possible for you and being able to really understand what you want and making sure and going for it. You know, there are steps to get wherever you want to go and you can get yourself there. You got to have a vision, you've got to have some goals and you've got to be willing to put in the work. That's that's what I hope I set the example um, for my kids. And sometimes I think they're not paying attention and they surprise me, Sue. Like my son who's 12, a couple of months ago said, you know, when I Google you, 
there are all kinds of articles and pictures and things like that. And so I said to my friends, you should Google your parents. I bet there's not as many things that come up around them. And I thought, oh, <laughs> he's, he's proud of me. That's so, oh, he right. sees what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so great. I, and I really do. It's especially great for a son to see his mother um, doing whatever it is she's passionate about. Right. Yes. So it, it, it doesn't really matter what it is. It's just that she's following her dream, yep. um, no matter what that might be. Um, I, I have another quote here. I laughed when I read this. You said, I scraped my way through college, but thought I was senior of the year because I was involved in so many things at school. <laughs> yes. So tell me about, well, first of all, yeah, what activities were you involved in, in, in college? Oh, kind of anything that was happening, I was there. I was a, a Were you a social butterfly? I, I was a joiner. That's how I describe myself. In high school okay. and in college and university. I was a I'm a horrible student in university, but man, I had a good time. Um I worked in the pub <laughs> and I joined a political science organization because that was my major and um I did uh model UN and traveled internationally in university and just joined all kinds of different groups, the marketing club and things like that, because I guess I always felt confident when I was in action on something. And I felt my mm. studies, you know, sitting in a class and learning theory, I didn't ever understand how it applied, but in clubs and activities, I could get things done. So I think that's why I didn't do very well in university. And I really didn't know if I was going to graduate, um, but ended up getting senior of the year because of all of my activities. That's awesome. Well, I think you certainly are adventurous. Yes. Right. You're, (laughs) you're, I mean, really, I, I think it, I do think, you know, when you're that age, it takes some courage to, to, to travel and go to places that you're not familiar with. And um, so definitely the adventure can make up for lack of you know, the academia in the classroom. Yeah. Um, so you soon discovered after graduating that, that PR really was your love. And I, what what is it about you that makes you a great fit for this industry? Yeah, at that time, and even today, um, when I think about PR and communications, just there was everything about it that I loved. The, um, the story, you know, developing a story, following a story through, being able to change perceptions was really interesting to me. Uh, I've loved the news since I was little and always want to read the news, watch the news, see what's happening in the news. And that was a, staying current on what's happening was it wasn't as a big part of the industry. So that mm-hmm. was really appealing. And I did see a one year program for PR diploma as I as I barely got through university. And I thought, I'm going to try that because I, I don't think I'm actually trained or skilled to get any kind of job right now. And maybe that will give me my career. And it did. It was at a community college, too, with a lot of tradespeople. And I, I wasn't sure how that would go, but it was excellent. You know, I you as you know, I, I love stories as well. And I yeah. love to be um, in the know about what's happening in the world. But sometimes and I want to know how you handle this. You know, today's world is uh, we have the ability to see and know what's happening everywhere. Yes globally. And as exciting and interesting as that is, it's sometimes very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So how do you manage the balance of needing to know because of your work and just your own mental, emotional well-being? 
Yeah, I, I just have a feeling in my body and mind now when I need to stop listening and taking in information and I need to go inward. Um, sometimes if I'm worrying, I feel like a worry in, in my brain or I'm not sleeping as well at night, I know it's time. So this happened just last week where I thought, okay, I'm feeling it again. I need to not look at the news anytime after 8 a.m. And mm -hmm. I've got to read a little more. So I love to read huge stacks of books all over my bedroom. And I've got to, instead of looking at the news and I just read a book and center myself. So that's what I do and, and just sense it in my body when it's too much. Is that something you've developed over time or do you think you had that ability always? Mm, I, th I just think COVID, I think I was moving too much before COVID to probably recognize it. I traveled a lot, probably two or three right. times a month before stay at home orders went into place. And, and so I was in that pace of absorbing and moving and traveling and, and being around the world a lot, which provided variety. And once I was home and settled and not traveling anymore, then I could really sense it in myself. And that's when I thought, okay, I need to know when I feel like this, what am I going to do? I'm going to read more. Yeah. I'm going to shut off the TV. I'm going to get some great tea and, and look after myself. I think you're so right about you know, just the recognition of it is, is the most important piece. Yes. Because there will always be there will always be things coming at us. The ability to recognize that, you know, we need to walk away um, is is really the best thing that we can do. Yes. Um, tell our listeners about a call that you received with an offer yes. that took you from Canada to San Francisco. How long did how long did it take to say yes? Oh gosh, a nanosecond. So I was. Oh uh, wow. Mike and I were living in Toronto and had for a while with our daughter who was just under one and the company that I worked for and I love so much a proud Canadian company was purchased by our biggest competitor out of the US and we were devastated and the, the closing process on the deal took a little bit of time so during that time I got to know people at the parent company and they called the day the deal closed and I I remember sitting in my office, it was late and it was dark. And uh, a lady said, so Heather, the deal's closed now. And I said, yep. And I thought she was gonna say, you know, here's your severance package. And she said, we've loved getting to know you. We have a job offer for you. You'll need to move to San Francisco. And I just said, yes, you know, just to me, wow. it felt like big time. It felt <clears throat> right. And I just could not believe that this was an option in front of me. It was so exciting to go from thinking it was all over to now being catapulted into a whole new market, new size company, all of it. And and it, it was quite strange during that time of the deal closing and thinking I was going to lose my job. I had said to Mike, let's move home to Nova Scotia. Now, I had so I had never wanted to do this. I didn't I never wanted to move back there. But I said, I'm exhausted. I'm burnt out. Madison's very small. Maybe it's time we go back and we be with our family. So we sold our house in Toronto, bought a house in Nova Scotia, and I was flying back and forth between the two places while the deal was getting done. Um, so he was in Nova Scotia that night and I hung up the phone. I called him and I said, you'll never guess what happened. I got an offer. They want us to come to San Francisco. They'll pay for everything. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to do it. And he goes, well, you know, we haven't even unpacked the boxes yet. So let's just ship them right out. And I was wow. Like, yes, let's do it. Yeah. That is awesome. I mean, how wonderful that he, he was on board because, yeah. you know, to make a move like that when someone in the family doesn't want to go, that's really hard. Yeah, he did it for me because he knows I do like adventure. 
Yeah. <laughs> so as I mentioned earlier in the show, you have been very purposeful, mm-hmm. in, I would say, in your goal to become the CEO of an international company. I mean, that was something you had your sights set on. So yeah. first of all, I want to know why. I want to know where that desire comes from. And then, of course, now that you've achieved that, what is next as far as goals for you? Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't know always that I wanted to run a company. Um, When I came to the States and I was working in San Francisco, what what I saw in the company that I worked with was that the chief marketing officer was an important person and someone the CEO relied on. And I I don't know, my ambition really kicked into gear when I came to the States. And I think it was because I didn't feel that confident. Um, I felt like, oh, I'm from Canada. People look down on Canada. So I'm going to have to overprove myself in this job and in this market. So as I decided, okay, the CMO is a really important person. You know, I think I want to be in that role someday, but I am not trained to be a CMO. I'm going to go, go do my MBA. And I mean, the first hard part was getting accepted because my grades were really poor in my undergrad, but I, I cleared that hurdle and uh, Mike was supportive. I was going to school on the weekends and working during the week and he had Madison all looked after. Um, and during the course of that um, program, which took me six years to get my MBA, I will tell you, Sue, because after my first semester by MBA, I got pregnant with our son. And so you know, pregnant, work, school, all of that. Oh, was, was that's hard. Oh my gosh. It right. was, but I got it done. Yeah. But in, as I was finishing, I had a professor who said to me, Heather, when you're the CEO of a company, here are the things you're going to look for on a, uh, the financials. And I said, well, what do you mean when I'm the CEO? And he said, why else are you here? If not to be, you're being trained to be a CEO. And it was like somebody just opened a whole new door for me. I had never considered that it was possible. And I left that class and thought, I've not been ambitious enough. I haven't looked high wow. enough. I can now, I can go be a CEO. I have to figure out how to do that. Wow. So what, how would you describe what, you know, in him saying that to you, what, what is the criteria? What would you say a CEO needs to be able to do? They need to have um, incredible leadership and skills and vision and the ability to bring together uh, all the aspects of a business into a really cohesive, um, high-functioning, high-performing organization. So you've got to be good at looking broadly across your team and your business and your clients and also really broadly across the market. Okay. Um, when we come back, I want to talk to you about um, the CEO that you actually reached out to um, and ended up working with. Yes. Stay with us for our watch team. I'm speaking with Heather Kernahan this evening, the CEO of North America at Hotwire Global Communications. We'll be right back. This is Mary from Pathways Consulting Group, sending you big wishes this holiday season to continue to dream big, enjoy life, and find wonder in the world now and always. Now the women to watch. Finance Watch. Hi, this is Terry, and I'm from Fortis Family Office. With families getting together for the holidays, either virtually or in person, this could be a good time to encourage conversations about financial and estate planning matters that might otherwise go unaddressed. 
Talking about these topics can be uncomfortable, but take the long view as it can help to avoid unnecessary pain, chaos, and costly mistakes in the event of death or disability. We've all seen headlines about celebrities passing away without an estate plan, the resulting costs, stories about children being disinherited, or assets being left to an ex-spouse due to an out-of-date beneficiary form. These common blunders are not limited to the rich and famous. We've read about lottery winners ending up penniless. Many heirs treat an inheritance as a windfall. It's estimated that about 70% of heirs blow an inheritance in one generation and 90% of family wealth is gone before reaching the third generation. Retirement savings can go to the wrong person or become subject to unnecessary taxes simply because there was no up-to-date beneficiary designated. Start by deciding what you want to have happen in the event of your death or incapacity and then discuss with your spouse, partner, or others close to you. Then involve your professional advisors, other key family members or other heirs, and those you've named such as executor, trustee, and financial and medical power of attorney. The conversation should include your financial situation, providing for a surviving spouse, guardian preferences for minor children and pets, specific stories or instructions about particular assets or heirlooms, charitable intent, your wishes if you're no longer able to care for yourself, and end-of-life preferences. Once you have your own plan in place, consider helping loved ones whose health and financial well-being may depend on or impact you also. It may be that aging parents, siblings, or others could benefit from the same conversation. If they're hesitant to share their information, remind them that you want their wishes to be honored and to help to create family harmony during a difficult time. At the very least, have them identify professional contacts who can answer these questions when the time comes. This is Terry. Happy Holidays. If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth invites you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting. Now, the Women to Watch, Nonprofit Watch. Good evening, Women to Watch listeners. I'm Dr. Nakia Owens, Managing Director of Financial Empowerment at the United Way of Greater Philadelphia in Southern New Jersey. As many of you are well aware, the unexpected can happen to any of us. And we know this more closely due to the COVID pandemic and how over 150 million Americans were faced with filing for unemployment, and now over 8 million are faced with living in poverty. A disruption in income has the propensity to cause the greatest impact and disruption in a person's life, especially when caring for children. As a result of generous donors, United Way invests in a family empowerment initiative designed to support families throughout the Philadelphia region who find themselves at risk of becoming homeless or might be homeless already. This initiative supports the whole family so parents are able to find or acquire greater employment and the children can remain in the same school in supporting their academic success. This initiative is not based solely on income, but looks at the entire family situation and what is needed to support the family in maintaining housing stability. There are case managers willing and ready to support the family with their goals, but not dictate those goals. If you know a family in the Philadelphia area who has been adversely impacted 
or is at risk of homelessness due to a job loss, please have them reach out to United Way's helpline by calling 211 or they can reach out to United Way's partner directly, Yousef at www.uesfacts.org. And until next time, I'm Dr. Owens, your nonprofit watch. Now, more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Hi, Sue Rocco here with an update from one of our past guests. I'm with Mary Cantando, the author and founder of The Women's Advantage, who was with us last May. So, Mary, tell us what you've been up to. Well, we've been moving along like the rest of the world. Um, in spite of COVID, we, we have uh, moved all of our programs, as, as many folks have, to um, online formats. So rather than doing our face-to-face roundtables for the Women's Advantage, um, we're now offering all of our programs on Zoom, which has actually been a real added benefit because it allows us to bring women together from various parts of the country and the world to um, discuss topics rather than saying, well, we just need to work with women in Philadelphia. We just need to work with women in Charlotte where, where we have, have a, uh, a chair. So, um, so that's been really, really beneficial to us. Um, you know, it's, it's the, the lemons into lemonade kind of thing. Um, I do want to share with you though that I'm also a, a founder of an organization called Excel Ventures, which is an angel fund for women. Um, first of all, most people don't know that women only get 2.3% of all angel fund funding. So women owned businesses and women led businesses are only getting less than 3% of all angel funding. So the goal of our, um, angel investment fund is to have, uh, it's all women and we're focusing really on, um, women led businesses in the state of North Carolina because that's where we're based. And we are working to support these women led businesses and at the same time educate women about how to be investors, how to do, how to do due diligence to understand if a company is a good investment, those kinds of things, which a lot of women have hesitated to become investors in the past because they feel like, well, I don't have any experience in that. So here we have women who do have experience in that, who are heading up groups, teaching other women who don't have experience in that, how to do it with the goal of just increasing the number of female angel investors in the country. That is excellent, Mary. Um, I, you know, I, I hope we can share some of that information with our listeners. And if they're in the North Carolina um, area, I'm sure that they will reach out. Sure, sure, yeah. So well, yes, they, you know, Excel, X E L L E, X E L L E Ventures. Um, okay. You know, they can just search on that and and find out all about it. Terrific. Well, thanks for checking in, Mary. I hope you have a wonderful holiday and stay in touch. And the same to you. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. We've never experienced a year like 2020. A deadly pandemic, political division, social unrest, natural disasters. Yet, we're still here, and now so are the holidays. Hi, I'm John Doherty. May this holiday season bring you joy and peace. May 2021 be a better year for all of us. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy and Healthy New Year. 
Happy holidays from IBEW Local 98. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Welcome back to the second hour of Women to Watch. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm having a really beautiful, candid conversation this evening with Heather Kernahan. Heather is the CEO of North America at Hotwire Global Communications and PR. Am I saying that title right, Heather? Yeah, Hotwire is Global it, Communications. Okay. That's what we go by. Yep. Okay, great. And, um, you know, we, we spoke a lot about how you kind of got to the place you are. And um, I want to spend some time in this hour really talking about your industry, how it's changed. Um, I, I actually have a young woman who is just took a new job with a big international PR firm, and she wants she's excited that you're the guest uh, this week and wants to get some advice from you. Sure. So I thought I'd start out with this is this I think is good advice is is asking it of others who have been there and done it. And at one point, you reached out to a colleague. Her name is Barbara Bates, who was the CEO of her own communications agency. Um, and you, you know, you you wanted to talk to her to get some feedback and advice. And she ended up hiring you, which doesn't surprise me one <laughs> bit. Um, and you both went on to run, you know, an, an amazing award-winning firm for years. My first question about that is, what did you learn from her that you still practice today? So many things. And Barb and I still work together. Uh, So the um, meeting Barb, my intention was to hear how she had started her own agency and grown it because that was uh, in my newly found realization that I could be a CEO. I thought I can start a company and build it or find a company that would like somebody to run it and figure out how to do that. So, um, So Barb and I talked through her journey to build her firm and she asked me, you know, what was I looking for and and saying I want to be CEO someday that was the she was the first person I said that to after I had the realization it was what I wanted and that felt really scary and she said oh that's great why don't you come and work with me and we'll figure out how to um we'll teach you how to run the business and we'll grow it together and she taught me and continues to so many things the first being people first you know everything is about people don't worry about clients so much if if your team is looked after and you've got the right people in the organization, you'll be fine. Um, and she also continues to teach me that having fun is as important as the work. And I have a hard time with that and usually more about work and Barb knows how to have a, a fun time. So I'm watching her always and seeing how she's doing that balancing big ambitions and also being fun outside of work. That's a great balance. Yes. Um, I would say when I think about companies today and how they're different from when when we were growing up and I look at our your children aren't millennials yet, they're younger, but um, they are looking for that kind of 
different environment and culture at a company, right? Mm -hmm. They want the collaboration. They want to feel a part of the company and not just an employee. So how would you describe the culture at Hotwire? And, and um, you know, what are you proud of that you, you've, you bring to that culture? Mm. Well, I, I always think about transparency as an important part of our culture. And we had that part, as part of the culture of Eastwick before we were acquired by Hotwire, and we've brought that over with us. Um, the idea that we're limitless and anything is possible is part of the culture, and that's both for the people that work in our business and also the work we do for our clients. And the way that comes to life um, that makes me incredibly proud is when people have uh, an idea about a, a new role they'd like in the business or a project that they would like to spearhead, that it doesn't matter who you, like what role you play in the company today, that is possible for you. Um, one example is a, a young man who said after the 2016 election, he wanted to uh, work part-time for us and then go out and work for nonprofit organizations to hopefully change the next election's outcome. So we structured his job to do that. And then he came back after a couple of months and he said, actually, I'd, I'd like to launch a social impact practice at Hotwire. Do you think I could do it? And I said, yes. And I didn't know how, but to me, it was right for the business. It was right for the time. And it was, I knew it was right for him and others in the business that really cared. And so we worked on a business plan together and we got it launched. Now he ended up leaving uh, Hotwire after a little over two years, but he Oh, this might make me cry, Sue. He printed off the cover of the business plan that uh, we had worked on together, and he said he framed it. Um, but he wrote, "You know, keep allowing employees to do this," and wow. I felt really proud. Wow! Wow! Yeah, you know, sometimes it it's those moments where you know <clears throat> we're genuinely interested in helping someone else, and we might not know the impact of that um, until later. Yeah. Clearly he was. Um, Tell me, let's, well, you know what, for the listeners who just perhaps are not that familiar with the industry of public relations and communications, um, tell them what you do. You know, what, what kind of clients do you have? Who are they? And, and what are you doing day to day? Yeah. Well, um, in the, in the industry, which is a really big industry, and we're trying to encourage more young people to come into the industry and learn about communications and brand and marketing and public relations. Uh, what we do at Hotwire is we help companies achieve their business goals through communications programs. And so that might be helping a company develop their brand, their narrative and their look. It might be helping them with their reputation in their market and it could be helping them launch new products and services and and reaching new audiences. And we we think about and we work on communications all the time. What are you saying? Why are you saying it? Um, Through what channels are you saying it? And are you uh, impacting the audience that you wanna impact and and moving them to some kind of action? That's what we do. Oh, go ahead. Would you say there's, I'm I'm just curious if there's um, certain, industries that are more open and understanding of the importance of storytelling than Mm. others. You know, sometimes I'm always amazed when I go to a a website and there is no about tab. (laughs) It makes me crazy. I think what the first thing I want to know is about the, about this company, who are you and how did this company come to be? Yeah. Um, 
Well, we work mostly with technology companies and um, we've been in business for 20 years and, and working exclusively almost with technology brands. But the shift that's happened okay. over the past probably five years is that every industry, and I, I'm going to say categorically, every industry is trying to tell an innovation and technology story because right. a technology is being embedded in every industry around the world. And to be able to attract the right talent to work in those businesses and the right um, customers who want a different kind of interaction experience, they, they need to understand the tech and innovation story. So I have seen an, a new awareness about the importance of storytelling across different industries, um, even like manufacturing and um, some of the supply chain companies that are out there. They're now trying to get into the business of storytelling and, and talking about their innovation in new ways. Has has your day to day? I mean, I'm sure it has been. This that's a silly question to say. You know, has it been hard with COVID? But I guess what I would rather ask you is, how have you pivoted? Mm-hmm. How are you managing um, with the pandemic and still staying uh, busy and and successful? Actually, I, I I'm yeah. curious if your field has been even busier because yeah. of it. In many ways, yes, it has. Yeah. Um, well, in March and April, we had saw a downturn in our business pretty quickly. Uh, we had smaller businesses we worked with put everything on hold right away. But at the end of April and the beginning of May, we saw it start to take off uh, around employee communications, for example. So people needed to ha- have different programs and ideas on how they communicate with an all remote workforce. We saw an increase in um, reputation and brand as uh, the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion came across the U.S. And there were uh, struggles with different companies trying to talk about their vision and purpose around those topics. So we did get busier, and it's been busy the whole year. We as a business had always had a, a philosophy of thoughtful working, which meant our employees could work in the office or at home whenever they wanted. So we were fully set up to be remote with all the tools we needed. So it was an easy transition. What I found really difficult is um, managing, I I say, through the square, you know, through the square of a video screen all the time. There are some days it's just, I I can't believe this is how we're doing things. And um, I wonder, you know, how are, how's my team? Am I having an impact? Does it, you know, does it even matter? I need to get back into bed and put the cover overs over my head. Um, yeah, yeah. And then there's other days where it's just, it's like, wow, it's incredible. All we're getting done for clients and ourselves right now. I, I think it's amazing to me how adaptable people are mm-hmm. with, right? I mean, yes. if you think back to March and April, it was, we were all terrified. You yes. know, what in the world is happening? And here we are, we've adapted and been able to, you know, keep going in different ways. It's true. And we will continue to adapt <laughs> as we head into we 2021. We have no choice, right? That's Do right. we have a choice? Yeah. No, it's happening. Yeah, it is. So I, I mentioned to you, I, I know a young woman, her name is Lauren, and she just took a job with a big international PR firm. I, I uh, You probably know it, Evoke. Oh, yes, I know them. Okay. Yeah. So she is a young, um, feisty, ambitious young lady. And what advice would you give to, you know, she's going to listen. What would you say to her for things she should and can do um, to continually move ahead in her own career? Hmm. Probably top advice is to think of yourself as a business person and everybody in the communications industry needs to adjust their perceptions of themselves to be business people. 
And so read relentlessly around um, the clients that you're working on and the industries that you're in so that you understand at the business level what's happening. And then you can be incredibly impactful with any communications or PR support you give them because you're understanding what's happening in the business. Yeah, that's great advice. Unfortunately, she loves to read and to write. Um, How about a listener who is, and we'll say a woman-owned, a small woman-owned business and does not have the budget to hire a big PR firm? What are some Mm -hmm. things she can do that will help bring exposure to her business? Yes, uh, I talk to a lot of women founders like this. Um, I think what you can focus on is really understanding your buyer. So who's buying your product or service? And then ask them, what do you read or who do you get advice from? And let's just say, oh, you know, three of them tell you I'm on Facebook constantly, um, then you would want to, whatever you do for promotion, put it through the Facebook channel because it's likely other buyers are going to be there. So really understand what they're reading and who influences them and then make a couple of uh, small steps to be in front of them in those places. And would you say that um, really understanding your why, why am I doing what I'm doing um, is important in, in trying to to connect with people, potential customers and clients? Yeah, the why, um, the why of what you're doing, but really what they need. What -hmm. are they seeking you out for? And is that, um, if it's a common need among many buyers, focusing your message in that area. Okay. Keep coming back to that. Yeah, we're gonna go into our last break and we will be back with Heather Kernahan, the CEO of North America at Hotwire Global Communications. Stay tuned for our watch team. We'll be right back. Holidays from me, Nicole Hitner, your Legal Watch contributor. I wish all of the women to watch listeners peace and growth in the new year. May you reach new heights in our new normal and embrace the blessings around you. From my whole family to yours, have a very Merry Christmas and an inspirational new year. Now, the women to watch. Marketing Watch. When the world locked down in March, millions of fitness gurus and regular gym goers were forced to adjust their workout routines to an at-home workout experience. From group fitness classes with peers to lifting weights at the local gym before the daily commute, exercise is often a bright spot in many people's daily routine. Hi, I'm Lynn Falconio, Chief Marketing Officer of Publicis Health for Women to Watch Marketing Watch. And like many of you, I've had to shift my fitness routine because of COVID-19. While at-home fitness wasn't a new concept, it quickly shifted from being one option for a good sweat session to the only option. In March, we saw a ripple effect of fitness giants pivoting to online workouts. Many used social media for live streaming. Others offered workouts on apps for users to get fit in their own time. With very few reasons to be outside of our homes, many have also made walking or biking outdoors a priority. In my daily routine, I always take a socially distanced stroll through Central Park to get my fill of exercise. Now, with exercise going to the streets and people working out in their living rooms, traditional gyms face challenges in incentivizing the eventual return to gym. Assuming the safety and cleanliness of communal weight rooms, fitness studios, and shared spaces has been quite the hurdle. Even so, some gyms have reopened 
but only at 25 to 50 percent capacity. As we imagine a post-pandemic future, some people will inevitably rush back to the local gym. But for others, the at-home workout has become a preference. Like many other habitual changes we've seen due to the global pandemic, it's safe to say the virtual fitness experience will be here to stay. Until next time, I'm Lynn Falconio for Women to Watch Marketing Watch. Now, the Women to Watch, Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. We've enjoyed Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, and Christmas. And as we're ready to welcome a new year, let's talk about ways to eat and drink safely. The average weight gain over the holidays is only about one to two pounds. But if you retain it and gain the same one to two pounds each year, it can accumulate. For starters, do not try to diet during this time. The magic word, portion. It's not what you eat, but how much. The average calorie count for a Thanksgiving dinner can be as high as 3,500 calories with 200 grams of fat in one sitting. 3,500 calories equals one pound of weight gain. So don't starve or fast all day. Eat a small breakfast and lunch that include protein, fiber, like salad, fruit and cottage cheese, nuts, or yogurt. Save your carbs for dinner. Eat one favorite food and save the rest for leftovers. And eat slowly. Takes 20 minutes to feel full. Chat with your family or friends between bites. Think about your choices. Dark turkey and gravy has almost twice the calories as white meat. Choose stuffing, potatoes on other days, or have both, but in smaller amounts. Calories in holiday drinks? Light beer can be 100 calories, regular up to 230. Wine, 150. Rum and Coke, 220. Eggnog, 343. And when you're the chef, use fat-free sour cream or Greek yogurt in your dips. Steam vegetables and add herbs or lemon, spritz with olive oil. Fat-free chicken broth. Use evaporated skim milk and whip it for sauces, casseroles, and pies. Cookies, cakes, and breads use applesauce or pureed fruit rather than oil. And with drinking, remember the word moderation. Drink water in between alcoholic beverages to stay hydrated and slow your intake. Low-calorie mixers like tonic and diet soda. Low-fat milk in the eggnog. And remember, most beers and flavored vodka contain gluten. Offer guests non-alcoholic beverages as well. Get a designated driver. Choose the number of drinks ahead of time and stick to it. Divas, remember the reason we're celebrating is the people. Don't become a drunk driving statistic. Cheers. Hi, I'm Joe Krause. May you enjoy the spirit of this holiday season and may 2021 bring you a year of hope and peace. I wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy and healthy New Year. Happy Holidays from Jacob Media Partners. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to Women to Watch. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm speaking with Heather Kernahan tonight, the CEO of North America at Hotwire Global Communications. Um, you know, Heather, we didn't even talk about all the things you do outside of being a mom, mm-hmm. running, a, running an international company, excuse me. You mentor, um, you sit on several boards, you invest in women-owned businesses, you counsel others for job opportunities. Um, you, you know, I, it's clear to me that you're happy in, in the busy and wanting to help others. What, you know, of all those things I just mentioned, which one brings you the greatest joy? Oh, so hard, Sue, because I love so many <laughs> things. <laughs> in, and I picked just one thing. Um, you know, the new well, thing. What, yeah. 
Uh, I go can, ahead. Go I'll ahead. pick two. I'm going to pick two. Okay, great. Good, good. So I've been, I've been on the board of the PR council for the past two years, and uh, about four or five months ago, I became the board chair. And so that is really satisfying to me because we represent all PR agencies across the U.S. So mm -hmm. I get to learn and hear and, and represent my industry, which I just love. So that's good. Um, uh, probably the second favorite thing that I have is advising. And uh, I advise startup founders and um, even one organization I started working with is called Connect Nova Scotia. So I'm working with Nova Scotia-based businesses that want to expand internationally and sharing what I know. It's really satisfying. Yeah, that, that, I bet. That's really wonderful. Let, let's talk about um, something that we share in common, and that's women in business and leadership. If I were to ask you, why does the world need more women leading across every field? Oh, we're just so good at it. <laughs> we're just, we're just, we are. We're so good at it. And we need to have a, a different model because we need more unvaried examples of leadership. There is not one model of leadership. And I think, you know, when we look to the past and, and business leaders who've been successful and those who are still, you know, men continue to be profiled kind of three to one um, in the media when it comes to business leader stories, uh, we need to see other paths, um, other leadership styles so that we can have a really healthy, vibrant business community. And would you say, I'm sure you have opportunities where, you, you know, you're speaking to, mm -hmm. to an audience of women. And I know, you know, because I was stuck myself at one point, you know, you just are in a place where you don't know what that contribution is supposed to be. And we talk on the show often about the fact that leadership, it really is equally important if you're leading in your family or your community or on a global stage, right, mm -hmm. as you right. are. So when you have an opportunity to speak to a woman who's she's just kind of struggling with that, whether it's lack of belief or I just don't know what I'm supposed to be doing as a leader. Sometimes it's hard to figure that out. Mm. What what how can they figure it out? What questions can they ask of themselves? Yeah, I think the lack of belief one is really interesting. And I was um, I was actually mentoring someone as um, a part of the LeGrant Foundation and mentorship program. And she was struggling with that, that, that thing and doing some things like not including accomplishments on her resume and struggling to believe in herself. And a tool that I use, this is so silly, but um, I, I say to people, you know, let's just say you were talking about your best friend. And what would you say about your best friend? Their accomplishments, their values, their strengths, you know, so go outside of yourself for a minute to look at, at who you are. And if you were going to talk about that as another person, what would you say? And then people will list all of these incredible things that they're doing, that they're achieving, that they're accomplishing, that they're where they're leading. And then you have to go through a process of believing it yourself. Just, you know, start to believe that and know that it's hard to believe all the great things about yourself, but, but you can do it. It just takes a lot of practice. So that's one little tip. I think that's a that's a great activity, especially for young girls. I would say because yeah. that's where it all begins, right? the 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 self esteem starts very very young. Mm -hmm. um, tell me tell me what kind of conversations you have with Madison around 
that. You know, um, today I think there's an enormous amount of resources and um, conversations and you know, as bad as social media is, there's things out there that are very inspirational that we didn't have growing up. Do mm-hmm. you see that help? You know, is, is she experiencing that? And, and do you see her as more confident than perhaps you were when you were young? Yeah, it, it actually, the, the life we have is so different from the life I had growing up. And I know that I am ambitious and I will always keep moving and I'll always be hungry for more. And part of it is because of how my, you know, working with my mom and having to sort of struggle to get by. And I worry that that hunger won't be built in with my kids because Mm -hmm. they don't have to go clean offices with me, for example, and and we get to travel as a family. And I don't know what to do with that, but it is something I think about what I've exposed her to are um, things like, uh, for instance, I w- I'm part of the Dell Women's Entrepreneur Network. And a, probably three years ago, they had an event in South Africa, and they had a girls track, where while the moms were in the conference all day, girls went and actually got to learn entrepreneurial skills and technology skills with Dell experts and do a project together. So she and I traveled for that. Uh, we brought a, a family friend with us as well. So the two girls got to experience South Africa, a learning environment like no other. And I thought that had happened and, and I didn't know what she took away from it until recently. And I heard her talking to someone else about the experience. And it was like this whole, I was like, wow, she that was impactful to her, but I didn't realize the full impact. So so I think she, I think all girls still struggle with confidence. Um, there are so many opportunities. I think it's sometimes overwhelming for teenagers today to figure out where they can connect and fit in. Uh, but my best job with her is to keep recommending connections and supporting her to make those connections. For instance, uh, we volunteer, my husband and I deliver food with the local food bank and she's just about to get her license. So I said, I want you to sign up for a volunteer job with them and I want you to be delivering groceries too. And she was like, oh, okay. That was a little connection and saying yeah. you can support your community and that'll help build your confidence. Yeah. And not only that, see, it's so important for kids to see that whatever their life is, and if it's, you know, privileged or, you know, um, they have a good upbringing and family and support and all that, that there's others who don't yes. and um, to no fault of their own. So, it, you know, as often as we can expose them to that, I think that makes a big difference. I hope. Tell me what, you know, one of the things I always try to do with this show is to let our listeners know that women like you who have achieved a a certain level of success still have moments of worry, self-doubt, insecurity, you know, Mm um, where, what is something that you have either overcome in that area or continue to, to, to want to work on even as the CEO of an international company? Yeah. My gosh, we all do. We all have worry. We all have doubt. Uh, we all have moments of deep, deep insecurity, and it can strike me at any time. <laughs> I, I would say that. <laughs> um, I mean, one thing I, I continue to work on is feeling confident, even when I'm scared and when I have doubt, because I do. So, for instance, part of my job is doing a lot of new business presentations. 
And when every time we're in new business presentations, it's if I feel vulnerable and I am, I can feel nervous and I just have to tell myself it's scared. I'm scared, but I'm doing it anyway. And uh, that happens to me as well. When I am getting ready to present a speech, I'm always nervous and I'm always feeling like, why would anybody want to listen to me? You know, am I saying things that are different or that they haven't, you know, haven't, hasn't everybody heard this already? Uh, mm, and then I just, yes. I, I will say to myself, it's okay. Like I'm, I always say that I'm, I'm scared, but I'm doing it anyway. And the reframing of I'm doing it anyway helps me a lot. Um, I also, one of my reframes I use often is when I'm thinking, this is hard, this is too hard, I don't know how to do this. Um, like when COVID hit, I don't know how to run a business in the middle of a pandemic. This right. is all new to me. I haven't been a CEO very long. You know, all those doubts came into my head. But my reframe is I do hard things. Mm. And that just gives me the the bump to be like, to recognize my, how I'm scared, vulnerable, feeling nervous. I recognize it and I can still move forward. And I think that's the important thing when you have those those doubts or you're struggling uh, in some area, recognize it, but know you can still move forward. I think it's so great. Would you say that's your your mantra in, in tough times? I can do hard things. It has been over the these past 11 yeah. months. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Do you, you know, there's a woman and I'm, I'm guessing you know her, Glennon Doyle. Yes. That wrote Love Warrior. And I, I think she kind of coined that that phrase, we can do hard things. Yeah. And as simple as it sounds, it, I think it's a great reminder. Because if you look over your life, you you see all the hard things you did. Yes. And you forget. You do. And then when you're in the new hard thing, it feels horrible. Right. <laughs> and you need, that, you, need that, you need to look back and have that perspective. Like, oh, right. I, do, I do hard things all the time. Okay, let's go right. after this. And we, yeah, we forget over and over and over again. You know, when you were talking about speaking, for instance, it's amazing. To, this is probably something to ask a psychologist. You know, why would we continually have nerves doing something we've done a million times before? Yes. What is that? No, you know? I know. What is that is right. Yeah, I'll never know. But I've just accepted that probably my entire professional life, I'm going to feel like that every time <laughs> I, I guess, speak. Right. And I guess it's just human. It's We're human, right? We're not robots. Yes. So yeah. we and have we, a- we, we are human and with real emotions. And I, I would challenge all the women listeners to this in leadership positions. It is our responsibility to do the hard things. Because it's only when we do the hard work of being in front of an audience, talking to Sue and sharing very personal stories, being interviewed by an industry reporter, that we get the chance to build our profile, which builds the profile of all women leaders. So I will often say to my team, guys, I love being Canadian, but don't be Canadian. Canadians take a backseat. They don't um, celebrate their accomplishments publicly. They don't put themselves front and center. Don't be Canadian. You do have to be in front and talk confidently about your accomplishments to move us all ahead. That is a beautiful way to end the show. Um, I love that. And you're so right. Um, and Heather, I, I so appreciate your being with us. Um, I know it's a busy time, especially with the holidays. So I thank you for sharing your story. It's really inspirational. Sleigh bells ring, snow is glistening, so be sure that you're listening. 
the women to watch your radio doc on WPHT. Oh yeah, 1210 PHT. Happy holidays from Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Ho, ho, ho. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso from Pathways Consulting Group. Early in my career in the 90s, I was introduced to my first role in a New Jersey-based technology company. I was brought in as the manager of all things operational as employee number six. I was one of two women in the office when I started, and as the company grew, I became very aware of how few women I encountered in the tech industry, both in the company and our customers. After 10 years, we reached our goal of $100 million in annual revenue. I had a seat on the leadership team and felt good about my contributions and thought it was time to discuss career path with my boss. His response was that unless I wanted his job, there was none. This response made me so angry, and I quickly opened my eyes. He didn't care what I wanted to do or what my goals and aspirations were, and I realized that if I wanted to advance and take my talents to the next level, I'd have to get out of my own way and reach the level of confidence needed to achieve what I wanted in a male-dominated industry. What I discovered was that all those years, I subconsciously allowed myself to be intimidated by the men around me, and if I wanted to be successful, I had to stop looking at men as men and women as women and focus more on carrying myself with the level of confidence needed to be a leader and to adjust the way I would deliver my message regardless of the audience. I realized that I needed to focus on my role and not the gender in the room. The good news is that the gender gap is closing in the tech industry because of the stories of the past and the lessons that have been learned. I think it's important to share our experiences to help young girls shape their dreams and future, whether it's in the tech industry or something else. What's your story? Email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women to Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. Now, Women on the Fly. Hi, Sue Rocco here with Heather Kernahan, CEO of North America at Hotwire Global Communications for our Rapid Fire segment. So, Heather, tell me, how do you start your day? Coffee and the news. What's your mantra for stressful moments? I do hard things. There we go. Yep. Are you a planner? I know the answer to this. Are you a planner or more spontaneous? <laughs> planner all the way, capital planner. P. <laughs> Where are you typically when inspiration strikes? Oh, in a book. Okay. A place you've traveled to you'd like to go back? So many places. I think Rome is top of my list. Oh, I love Rome. How do you unwind? Oh, reading. Reading (laughs) again. Always reading. Yes, I totally unwind with reading. What's your definition of feminism? 
think the, the courage and freedom to be whoever you want to be as a woman. What are three words that describe you? I'm going to say ambitious. Mm-hmm. Um, good listener. Oh, I'm going to leave it at that, too. That's all I can think of. Adventurous. <laughs> adventurous. <laughs> There's another A word. <laughs> I'm going to say it. it. I'm going to answer for you. <laughs> there you go. go. <laughs> uh, okay, since you're such an avid reader, a book you would recommend to our listeners? Oh, favorite book of all time. Um and one I buy for people is um, How to Get From Where You Are to Where You Want to Be by the mm-hmm. author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Terrific. I love that too. And the last question is, how do you end your day? Uh, kisses all around with all the kids Aww. and my husband, big kisses and hugs, and usually with the book. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Heather. Thanks. Next is our Coach's Corner podcast, which is a shorter version of our weekly show and can be heard wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm BJ Gray with this week's Coach's Corner. Did you know that 86% of millennials said that offering career training and development would keep them from leaving their current position? That's why I'm completely giddy this week about being able to work with a major corporation that's actually going to develop their employees on how to create a culture that is inclusive. They're not going to just tell them about it in a one-off meeting, but they are going to be more involved with frequent sharing sessions on how to behave. Helping them develop the right behaviors is what can build inclusion and trust. What makes it even more refreshing is the leadership team sees this starting with them. I believe when the leaders are more accountable, then the teams will shadow their behavior. And here are some of the principal behaviors they are going to start standing behind. Making mistakes is okay encouraging you to embrace them, but share the learnings and adjust and try again. And the second one is everyone plays a part in getting teams on the same page, not just owning your own role. And the third one is begin engaging others with more curiosity, more empathy and respect. Ask questions, look at it from their perspective. And my favorite one is have the courage to speak up when things go well and more importantly, when they don't. One of my colleagues puts it this way, quote, mean what you say, say what you mean, but don't say it mean, unquote. Building a healthy culture is tough as it requires consistent behavior with a shared language and shared expectations across all the departments. It means the everyday environment lends itself better when managers provide regular feedback. And at the center of all these teams churning out fast and ever-changing work is a group of smart people that are sensitive, frustrated, and full of burnout. So they'll protect themselves by looking at others to do their job better. That's exactly why this company is embarking on this more engaged culture building initiative to decrease the trauma and increase productivity. They want to stop changing the process to make the company more productive. And they want to start changing the behaviors that run the process. Thanks for listening to this edition of Coach's Corner. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn or at bjgray.com. Until next time, I'm BJ from Coach's Corner. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Thank you so much to our watch team and our sponsors. And stay tuned for my interview next week with Judith Guido of Guido & Associates. Have a great week, everyone, and a happy, happy new year.
Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.